Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome, listeners, to the first installment in our review of the Bill and Ted movie review series. Today we are reviewing Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. This is your host, Corbin. This is Alan. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't plan that. Alan didn't know I was going to do that, but... (laughs) I gotta say, after watching that movie, my wife can attest, all I was saying was excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Totally bodacious. (laughs) Triumphant. (laughs) Thankfully, she immediately went to bed afterwards. (laughs) And uh, she's like, all right, I'm going to bed. You have fun, you know, doing your impressions in the basement by yourself. (laughs) But anyways, I've never seen these movies before. Same. Uh, it looks like we're in the same boat. I haven't seen these either. I've always heard of them. Um, and I mentioned in the last podcast for Tenet that I always get this movie and Wayne's World mm-hmm. and Biodome kind of, they all, as if, it feels like as if they're all kind of existing in the same group. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have yet to see any of them. So, yeah. So for those of you eagle eyed, listeners who check the description by the way you should check the description because you'll never know what you're gonna find down there yeah (laughs) so originally we were going to be reviewing this bill and ted trilogy last year i believe the series was supposed to the episodes were supposed to release somewhere in august but of course that didn't happen because this movie didn't come out till Well, the third one didn't come out until August 28th, 2020, and we had the first movie set to release, uh, I don't know, it wasn't going to work, and um, I I don't remember when exactly it all played out, but I was getting married. Right, which Um, wouldn't have worked. (laughs) Which wouldn't have worked, and we had already changed the schedule at that point, so ultimately, um, and they said, oh, by the way, it's coming to um, VOD, Uh, Mm -hmm. it just wasn't going to work, so we're like, we just were going to push it back to early 2021, and that's exactly what happened, so that's why we're reviewing it now, and because we told you listeners last year we were reviewing it then, but that's the explanation, um, Also, while you are looking in the description below, um, we have tons of links down there to um, other podcasts that we've done through the years that we have curated for you that we think would interest you in following this review. Also, we are on all major podcast platforms, so we have links to all of those. We have links to our social media pages. Wherever you want to follow us, we have many avenues available to you. Also, if you're just ready to jump into the review, then um, timestamps are also down there as well. Of course, don't overlook the Patreon page because there's great bonus content on there and it helps support us financially. But if you are looking for a free way to support us, then go ahead. No matter where you're listening to the podcast, go ahead and leave us a five-star review and a written review with that as well. But especially if you are on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, 
Definitely leave one there uh, because one of our goals for 2021 is to, at the very least, submit ourselves for um, verification on Rotten Tomatoes. So we will be verified critics on there. We've met all the other requirements we just need. Um, it's really not many more um, uh, ratings on that. So we're very close to actually meeting that goal. So you can definitely help us do that um, early this year. That would be greatly appreciated. But nevertheless, jumping into this movie, um, this came out, uh, I was born in February. It looks like it came out February 17th, kind of around President's Day weekend. Yep. Um, 89. I wouldn't be born for another six years. Right. Yep. I wouldn't be born for another seven? Seven. Seven years. Yeah. And it is interesting. It looks like um, Orion Pictures, which isn't even a thing anymore, uh-huh. did these movies um, with United Artists, which isn't a thing anymore. Right. Um, well, no, United Artists releasing is some kind of, that's not the same thing as the old one. that They did the third one, so that's interesting. Mm. Looks like we don't have the same directors for any of the trilogy. Right. Stephen Herrick did this one. Um, you can say they're pretty short movies. Yeah, I know this one's right at an hour and a half. Uh, is that the same for either two? Um, the newest one's only one minute longer. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So they're all right around there. They're very short, 274 minutes. That would take you, um, less than five hours to get through. That's an afternoon. Yeah. You're looking at barely over four hours to get through these movies. So very bingeable, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Well, Alan, I am curious because these, this movie I've always heard about, but I don't know, is it, was it ever positively received? Clearly it's lasted through the culture and we got a sequel about uh, almost 20 years later that's right so in terms of scores um i've got an imdb of a 7.0 metascore at a interesting low interestingly low 50 mm-hmm. run tomatoes at a 81 percent critic score and 75 percent audience score i didn't find a cinema score for this one no but a letterbox for 3.6 so all across the board it is pretty positive um i with the exception being metascore which is usually the more critical out of the out of all these scoring systems but still it's pretty pretty high for everything here yeah it is high it's nowhere near as high for like uh back to the future mm-hmm. um which did this came out four years after back to the future i believe yeah this would have come out on the same year as back to the future part two Mm-hmm. Um, was releasing yeah and then part three was in 89 so this whole kind of like fun teenage time travel was definitely in the cultural zeitgeist mm-hmm. and um we'll talk about it right beforehand there was one thing that was really going to make it a little too close to that uh back to the future which they cut eventually which i thought was interesting um yeah i mean this movie certified fresh on rotten tomatoes um audiences like it um on Rotten Tomatoes, it's pretty good across the board, except for that kind of weird meta score, which is yeah. um, just straight down the middle, um, generally mixed reviews. Yeah, which is a little bit interesting, um, given that everything else is high. So, so how well did it do at the box office, though, back in '88? It looks like it did surprisingly well. I mean, all things considered, uh, it had a budget of ten million. Um, opening weekend, it got back six point two million. Domestically overall, 40.5 million. Foreign markets at an interestingly $25,000. <laughs> um, but overall, 40.5 million. So, these 
four times his budget, it's pretty good. At least four times his budget. And honestly, I wouldn't expect anything much more than mm-hmm. this anyway. Um, the writers of this movie really were unknowns. I don't know much about the director. Keanu Reeves was not the phenomenon that he was. And Alex Winter played one of the four or five vampires in Lost Boys, which came out the year before this. Ah, okay. I love Lost Boys. So that's why I'm aware of that. So yeah, they're kind of, it's kind of a risk making this movie because they really weren't sure. Also, Back to the Future was so wildly popular Uh that it was kind of like, okay, maybe, I don't, I don't know how it's going to do, but yeah, clearly it paid off. Um, It didn't seem to do at least it was in the top five opening weekend. Yeah, it stayed at number three for um, a few weeks. Um, but yeah, it, it was up there mm-hmm. in the top five for opening weekend or for the box office. But yeah. Now, it should be noted that Back to the Future Part 2 wouldn't come out till later this year um, because I think it released sometime in the summer, if I'm not mistaken. But I mean, it's not long after this movie came out when Back to the Future would release either either way. So, <laughs> yeah, we have reviewed all three Back to the Future movies. Those movies did like crazy numbers at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was an independent property as well. Um, back this was a sequel though. So, what did it go up against? Um, I have uh, these going up against The Burbs and Rain Man for its first week taking those two top spots oh okay well i love the burbs and i had i need to see it still tom hanks and carrie fisher um yeah you don't want to miss it i love that movie and it's really fun to i watch it like kind of in october every year Mm -hmm. um so it looks like it got 11 million so it wasn't going to be anywhere near yeah that um it did go up to number two um if i on its third week um lean on me still took that number one spot Mm. but that's still it's still remained like hovered around the two to three spot for it's almost for a good number of weeks at least it also looks like paper house came out that's a i believe that's a terry gilliam film oh yeah um i never got to finish it but very fascinating came in at number 18 yeah Uh, if you do get the chance listeners definitely check out paper house um, of course, Rain Man was huge, would go on to win Best Picture. Right. So, yeah, it didn't, um, Rain Man didn't beat it out by much. Never heard of Three Fugitives. And yeah, The Fly 2, I don't think was good from what I've heard before. Right. All right. So, I mean, that's the numbers. That's what it kind of, you know, came out as. But Corinne, what did you think of the trailer? Would this be something that back in 1989, if you were old enough to understand what you were watching, if would it get you in the theater? Absolutely. I think the trailer is straight up fun. Of course, I would see it. Um, uh, maybe not opening weekend for President's Day because I I said I really would be very curious to see The Burbs, which I can't believe they re- released that movie in February. That is a really weird time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, nevertheless, I did also hear some radio spots, which you don't really ever hear those much for movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the radio spots are interesting, too. They're pretty funny. And would catch my attention, so I would definitely go to the theaters to contribute to see this movie. Uh, yeah, I would be on kind of on the opposite end of that. I would be a little bit skeptical because <sighs> Back to the Future was a thing, mm. um, and everyone loved Back to the Future. So I'd be like, mm, be a little bit skeptical. I might go see it in the theater, but I would go in pretty skeptical. 
Well, listeners, if you haven't seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and you don't want the film spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and check it out. Come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. Well, unlike last week, this one will be relatively short. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, last week we reviewed Tenet and it was like crazy complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice to have a change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ted Theodore Logan and Bill S. Preston Esquire are two California rocker dudes who live in San, De San Dimas, California. However, the pair are at risk of flunking their history class. Their teacher tells them that if they too don't pass their final exam with flying colors, they will fail. On the night before the exam, a man from the year 2688 named Rufus shows up with a magical time machine. Come to find out, the pair are worshipped in the future because <laughs> of what they do to pass their exam on this night. They hatched the pl they had to plan to grab important figures in the past to get a first-hand accounts on what they would think of their hometown of Sam Dimas. They grab Joan of Arc, Genghis Khan, Billy the Kid, Abraham Lincoln, Napoleon Bonaparte, and Sigmund Freud. The group make it just in time for the report after getting distracted in a shopping mall and escaping the police station. Bill and Ted receive A pluses on their report, and they return the figures back to their respective times and return to the garage to jam out some more. All of a sudden, Rufus returns with two princesses they met earlier, and they all jam together as credits roll. So I had no idea um, George Carlin was in this movie, who is Rufus. George Carlin is like a stand-up comedian, and he is hilarious. There is a very funny sketch he does about climate change. I'm going to link it in the description below, no matter what you think about climate change. It's just funny. Mm -hmm. And you can tell he's even riffing off that where he's like, in the future, we have clean air and clean water. We even have clean dirt. Yeah, yeah that's right. I could tell that was kind of from his sketch. So I had no idea what to expect from this movie, especially because it opens with a really weird um kind of cgi type thing like this yeah i don't even know what it is some kind of dark crystal looking thing just right. like coming down um it's kind of interesting as well especially because the movie goes so far into the future and then all through the past mm -hmm. but you just kind of have to realize that this movie isn't really like back to the future with kind of a semi-serious plot where it was still having fun. This is all just about having fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, <laughs> this movie is as far removed from serious as possible. Um, there really are very little stakes in this film. Like the, the main plot is centered around two high school kids are going to flunk their history exam and there will be obvious repercussions for that that's the main plot right it's not really that big of a deal and they don't really ever make it out to be that big of a deal it's just that the crazy adventure that they go on is what makes this film so much fun which is interesting to me because you know you don't ever really have i mean even back to the future although it is very much a comedy there's still drama and suspense in it um as well so yeah it's interesting that they you know if they're making it as pure of a comedy as they possibly can yeah and like the biggest stake is aside from having to repeat history mm -hmm. is um ted's dad is going to send him off to alaska right to you know some kind of reform school because he doesn't take anything seriously um have you seen freaks and geeks I haven't. I know of it, but I haven't. I've heard very good things. It's not streaming anywhere, just like these three movies aren't streaming anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So um, there is a bit of that that kind of reminds me of that, if you've um, caught that listener. So you can see how this movie, even though it doesn't seem 
that significant in the scheme of things, you can see where it's had some impact. Um, in some ways, it kind of reminded me of Napoleon Dynamite as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I was thinking of the exact same thing, especially um, Napoleon's like final performance. Yeah. It's kind of like their final presentation. Yep. So it is cool to see these movies and TV shows that I have admired through the years. Like, oh, well, that's kind of where they probably drew some inspiration from. Mm hmm. Um, I got to say probably just my favorite, favorite thing about this movie is not just the time travel because we've got that in a lot of other things, but Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, their acting is just pure joy to just watch on screen. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. They, they're the language that they use is so <laughs> funny yes. because it, it's, they use, sometimes they'll use some really drawn out, um, and complex adjectives mm -hmm. like bodacious or whatever. It's <laughs> yes. the way that they, the way that their language flows, um, is very funny and also very unique in and of itself. Yeah. And I just haven't really heard anybody in any other movie, like really talk like this, where mm -hmm. they're just kind of going on about excellent, triumphant, um, we need a triumphant video to get Van Halen in our band. Yep. And um, it is interesting because this movie kind of starts out in a little bit of a back to the future way. Yeah. Where Marty gets to docks and he plays the giant amp, which just seems ripe for something Bill and Ted would want to try out. And they're trying to film a triumphant, righteous music video and whatnot. Um, but I do really appreciate the lightheartedness of this time travel where Back to the Future had stakes where Marty would never be born mm -hmm. and you get in Back to the Future 2 and it's like the whole world changes for the worst. Whereas this is, they get themselves in all kinds of terrible situations, but it's just like, don't sweat it. Yeah. They can get imprisoned. It's, they can seemingly die. It's right. no big deal. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. It's an incredibly laid back story. And yes. it's kind of funny because, you know, if they don't, you know, do, if they don't pass their exam tonight, well, then something will happen in the future. But the future is already kind of crazy anyways, mm -hmm. that is, the stakes are essentially non-existent. It's, it's kind of funny to see something like that, especially, you know, when you're comparing it to Back to the Future, which does have those, you know, those suspenseful stakes of the main character could easily not be existing if he doesn't. You follow through, right? That's not even close to what happens here. It's so laid back and so silly and kind of stupid, but also <laughs> at the same time funny. Um, it's interesting. And, you know, I like that they really do try and break away from any kind of time travel tradition um, or any kind of rules. Whereas in Back to the Future, they were like, don't come in contact with yourself. Mm -hmm. Even in Tenet, don't physically come in contact with yourself from the past. They come in contact and just like immediately they're like, where are you from the future? Yep. They're like, you know, what number are we thinking of and what are we doing with this and that? So I didn't expect that right away. I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. And it really is very hilarious to think that, you know, what, six, six, seven hundred years into the future that an entire society is based upon their music where it's peace and love and it yep. just brings pure joy <laughs> and they're kind of the great ones and they even get a little glimpse into that. So it is a kind of almost childlike creativity yeah. that you just don't see in a lot of Hollywood films where there is this element or at least underlying cynicism to them, whereas this, there really is none of that. Right, absolutely. And kind of going on, on top of that too, you know, usually... Um, 
if a movie is a comedy, it'll at least have like that one scene where all of a sudden it just switches emotions mm-hmm. almost on a dime sometimes yeah. and tries to have that emotional moment to kind of build the main character or whatever, right? It completely kills the flow of the film that we've seen countless times again, right? And that's, that's for a film that's like a pure comedy. Mm-hmm. Not even close to being here. I was ex- <laughs> I was expecting it too. I was expecting it to get to the, the two-thirds point and have, you know, the, the, the big slump where the heroes have to come out of that, right? No, that never really happened. You don't really have that big emotional moment that just kind of creeps up on you. It's just pure comedy all the way through. And I think that's one of the things I really enjoyed about it was that it doesn't really, you know, waste its time you know, trying to give the audience some kind of, you know, big emotional attachment to these two characters because they're so stupid, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There really isn't that they don't try and force any kind of emotions on us that really aren't organic to these characters. Mm -hmm. And there is a little bit of this tenant aspect where they've already traveled into the future and there's that tape recorder where it just, it's so basic. It like yep. tricks the dad into coming and they write oh, themselves yep. a note. And we never see them um, put the tape recorder there or write that note. But I am kind of glad we don't have this almost back to the future or tenant thing where we come back in mm-hmm. on a scene um, where we have to do that for everything. Um, we do see them come and talk to themselves and they're like, that made much more sense this time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was funny and that was fulfilling seeing it from the other perspective. But I like that this movie doesn't get too bogged down in trying to make everything perfect or make sense. Right. You know, that's I think that's one of its strongest aspects is that it is able to keep, um, at least for me, it was able to keep me engaged without having to, you know, ask for something to relate to these characters with, right? Or something to bog that would end up bogging things down. Like for instance, the the end of the second act slump before the third act where the characters all of a sudden have a falling out for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? They don't have any of that. It's just pure fun all the way through. And it's also it also helps that the world that they live in is equally as weird and wacky, right? Where uh Ted's no, Bill's dad Bill's dad, he married um, a new girl who's like maybe in her 20s and his dad's most definitely middle-aged. You've also got the place with uh, Ziggy Piggy, I think is what it's called, the ice cream parlor when Napoleon uh, is brought home. Uh It's just the world that they live in is equally as wacky as uh as the two characters themselves right so this adds to how much you know how much there really is to the world that they build yeah and it is funny um as you mentioned dude she's your mom yep because he keeps calling her missy and then mom Mm -hmm. and yeah she was a senior when they were freshmen so and it's honestly okay that's the one thing that did creep me out yeah when he's like get lost boys and then he just like closes the door and he's like yep he's getting it on with your mom in your room i'm like okay i'm i'm thoroughly like creeped out right now yeah he hands his he the dad hands uh bill like a like a ten dollar (laughs) bill yeah Yeah, he's like like, okay get get lost yeah which is so funny because there is that like contrast where ted's dad is a cop and he's mm-hmm. like, you're going to Alaska. And the other one is like marrying a high schooler. Yep. And just like doesn't give a care. And and it is kind of funny how they bring these characters out of time from hundreds to like thousands of years ago. And yet somehow they like ingratiate 
into our present day like pretty mm -hmm. well they don't really question anything uh, it is really funny um yeah just the dialogue how they they get socrates um, oh they yeah pull him out of greece and they're able to like with their limited knowledge they like quote things and they get the princesses on board with them as well uh it, it's just all really funny um i love 80s music and i think this movie had a pretty good soundtrack yeah, it did. It definitely did. It's very 80s. And this, I guess that kind of goes through the whole movie. It's very much a product of its time. But everything about it is uh, is almost non-apologetically 80s. And, you know, 80s was a time for very much pushing the boundaries for mm -hmm. what you could get away with putting in a movie. At this point, the PG-13 rating had come out. We rated, uh, we reviewed Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yep. And that movie is PG and it is so dark and heavy. Yeah. And uh, PG movies were definitely like putting nudity into it and were really like kind of really pushing the envelope. Um, it was honestly kind of refreshing that this movie had, you know, very little language. It really didn't have anything dirty in it. Mm -hmm. I really just appreciated that, um, the perversity of teenage years was very tamped down in this movie, and it really wasn't about that. Yeah, and it, I guess, like, you know, it is uh, pretty tame because I was able to watch this with my mom. I mean, she was in the same room as, <laughs> yeah. as I was when I was watching this, and she lasted the whole thing. She thought it was stupid, and I don't blame <laughs> her, but she was, she did last through the whole thing. Um, if it had been any more perverse, um, maybe not, and I probably would have gotten some kind of scolding, but still, she did last through the entire thing, and I was surprised by that. Well, and even when they do, um, there, like I said, there's very little language. Mm -hmm. When um, Napoleon is bowling, and he falls on his face while bowling, yep. and then he starts saying the S-word, and the subtitles are just like one after another, <laughs> yep. just keeping up with his language. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. But that, I think they used up, because I think you can only have, you can only use the S-word so many times in a film. <laughs> they probably used up all of them right there in that scene. Probably. So there's just a very few number of things that I didn't really like about this movie. Um, they are mostly structural. Um, Napoleon at the water park is funny, but definitely could have been trimmed down or cut. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe they did that to reach the hour and a half mark. But yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, there. It's that scene. And then I think there was one a little bit later um, where there's like a quick montage. I have to look up in my notes what exactly it is. I'm gonna find it right now. Is it at the mall? That's the one. The oh, montage yeah. at the mall. There are a couple of scenes that just seem to draw drag out a bit too long. Yeah. They definitely did kind of overstay their welcome. Where is it? They're initially funny. Mm -hmm. They really go on far too long. Um, I think the editing is kind of confusing, especially around this whole mall scene. Um, because the historical figures are arrested and they take them. I don't know why they take them to the mall. And for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Either. Um it makes me think because it's intercut with the book reports or the history reports they have to give, mm -hmm. which makes me think the history reports at the mall. Um, no. <laughs> well, no. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah. nevertheless, the editing is clunky and we, we know Missy drives them there after they clean the house, which was kind of funny. Right. And, but then Missy, somehow they know they get arrested. I, I don't know. It's not that big of a thing, but, the editing does kind of make your head spin around there. And because Bill and Ted disappear for so long, and then before you know it, they're at the police station again. 
Um, I don't know. That's that's just one of the issues I had. Yeah, leading into the actual report itself, it, it does get a little bit convoluted. Um, and they get in my mind, I think it gets a bit messy. Um, yeah, but, it does. Yeah. I mean, I guess really the only big thing in terms of disappointments for me mm-hmm. was just that uh, while the main characters were very funny, they did kind of get to be, at least for me, a bit grating there towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, not really that big of a deal, though. That's kind of a nitpick, I would say. I don't think I ever got tired of these characters because I just haven't really seen something like that before. So I really enjoyed them throughout. I can see how they could get that way, though, because Mm -hmm. they are one note characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, They don't learn very much. They don't change very much. (laughs) So that is one thing that I was kind of worried about with this movie is with a time travel movie and with characters that begin a movie with a problem I want them to solve it in a satisfying way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do like it. They make it into a very big kind of show. I thought that was very fun. I was worried they weren't going to learn anything. But thankfully, they do seem to like learn something there at the end. So I was glad because for most of the movie, they learned nothing. Yeah, it's it's very, again, it's the uh, same with how everything is very lighthearted um, in this film. That's, that literally goes for basically everything. Right. The even down to the main core and the message of the film, it's it's pretty lighthearted. It's not going to probe too deep. It's very much um, an easy snack of the afternoon. (laughs) Good way to put it. I I, I can say this. They they did pick some interesting people to take back from the past. Yeah. Right. Like Abraham Lincoln. I, I can understand that. Um, Genghis Khan, I can understand that one too. Socrates, yeah, I can understand that one too. Joan of Arc, that's a bit of an interesting choice for me. And maybe it's because, I thought it was interesting too. I'm so used, the only, I guess, subject of the uh, a portrayal of Joan of Arc that I've seen is the 1920s film of the Joan of Arc, which is a very starkly different feeling than what they portray here, right? Because this is very much a comedy and that film is very much a drama. But uh, Joan, it is, Joan of Arc is a bit of an interesting choice to bring in. Um, Sigmund Freud just kind of brings on a lot of comedy with him. Yeah, um, absolutely. But they do bring in some interesting, they do pick interesting uh, figures from, uh, from history's past to bring into this film. I was happy with all of the characters they picked. I think the one that probably makes the least amount of sense to me is Billy the Kid. Yeah. Um, he really wasn't that significant as all of these other um, figures from history really were. But he provides a little bit of relatability because he's the closest to their time. And he's kind of um, funny enabling them to kind of have that connection and whatnot. So mm-hmm. he almost feels a little bit necessary to it, albeit his to me doesn't make sense. I I didn't know that was Joan of Arc at first. I thought it was a I thought it was a boy. Uh, it's Joan of Arc and my wife's like that's a woman I'm like I couldn't tell uh, but I was right I was like that uh, I was like that boy looks like a lady to me (laughs) that's because it was but Joan of Arc I don't know I don't know her story very well she she was very young I think she was maybe like 17 but wasn't wasn't she supposed to look kind of not like a woman because women couldn't be knights back then yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay. I, I forget the entire story because the passion of Joan of Arc is more or less on the scrutiny of the church against oh, Joan of Arc. Oh, not, <laughs> leading up, not anything leading up to that point. Gotcha. That um, wasn't anywhere near this film. <laughs> no, but yeah, um, 
Napoleon seems to be kind of a favorite to pick uh, when it comes to yeah kind of figures from history to look at. I will talk about that here in a minute when I talk about recommends. But in the meantime, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Well, this film was very much a ride that I was not expecting. Um, I mean, partially, I guess I was. Um, but I also haven't seen exactly the stoner type high school stupid movie that come from the 80s and eventually 90s with what would come like with the Wayne's World and Biodome and whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't I had never seen a film like this and I was uh, pleasantly surprised by how enjoyable it was. It's it's a it's a very fun ride. I'll say that it's not one that I think I'll uh, watch too often just because there really isn't much to it. But that's also part of the charm, too. Right. It's a very easy afternoon snack, as I said. It's nothing too deep at all or challenging in any sort of way. Um, it's got some pretty funny jokes. It's got, you know, some very unique uh, situations and just kind of story all the way around. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it it's fun. It's one that I, I can recommend. I'm going to say it's probably a 6 out of 10 for me, but it's, def- it's a definite recommend. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is definitely a very fun time. It clocks in without credits around an hour and 26 minutes. So you're really not taking up much of your time or much of your day just watching this movie. It's definitely best watched with other people because, I I mean, comedies are just best watched not by yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really happy that we can add another review from the 80s from this time. We've reviewed so many movies Yeah, (laughs) from the 80s. So I'm happy we are now getting to this trilogy and we're able to do one of these reviews as well and add this in there because I've just heard so much about this movie. Yep. And it really was a treat to see something that is so well regarded and talked about that's lasted. It came out in 88. So the movie is what? 98. It's 32 years old. Yeah, it's old at this point. Yeah. So I think that is really cool that it's still so much fun and just still bringing joy to us we've never even seen it before to new viewers as well so for me i'm giving bill and ted's excellent adventure seven stars out of ten with a solid recommend so corbin now that you've seen it is it a film that you would like to pick up yeah definitely i i was taking a risk by purchasing the trilogy on blu-ray because i didn't know usually kind of my rule is um don't buy things you haven't seen because you could just be wasting your money Mm -hmm. um i'm happy to have this movie in my collection now as for the other two movies i can't say that so maybe i'll only end up just wanting this one in there right uh stick around for the next two weeks to see what i think on that but definitely for me i'm curious would you get this one uh i don't know i might I don't know. <laughs> might might give it get it on a DVD? Nah, it would definitely be Blu-ray <laughs> if I was to get it, but it's one of those films where I could I can live without it. I've seen it um and it wouldn't be a film like I said that I would return to very often. But I might buy it. So, what would you recommend uh after viewers have watched Bo and Ted's at least the first film, what would you recommend that they watch after it? I actually have a lot of recommendations this time. Um, I've already brought up two of them in the review. Definitely recommend Napoleon Dynamite. Definitely recommend Freaks and Geeks. Um, I would say the biggest recommendation is, well, not Back to the Future, even though I will recommend you watch that after this as well. I'm going to recommend Time Bandits. Um, that's a Terry Gilliam film. And 
Time Bandits also, uh, where they go through time, Napoleon is one of the characters they meet up with as well. So ah, okay. I thought that was interesting. Time Bandits is super fun. It's uh, in the Criterion Collection, so you know it's got to be good. Um, I'm also going to recommend Gumby the Movie. Oh, interesting. I love that movie, and it does give you a very similar vibe, a very kind of candy-coated vibe through history and different sceneries and events. Um, check that one out. And my final recommendation is going to be The Page Master. Oh, interesting. Starring Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I think I've seen parts of that. I think one time it aired on Cartoon Network is where I saw it. But yeah, it's an interesting choice. Yeah, I um, picked up The Page Master on Blu-ray not that long ago. Okay. I remember um, seeing it as a kid uh, from the video rental store, and I really liked it. It came out in 94, the year before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's another one of those movies where the characters meet up with in the page mastery meets up with literary figures instead of historical figures gotcha um that movie is definitely much more for children though so if you watch it you might want to watch it with your kids or something i don't know right um but yeah those are my recommendations one thing i was i'm curious about seeing i haven't seen it yet is fast times at ridgemont high hmm. where from the clips i've seen the character sean penn does give me reminiscence of bill and ted now, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is very dirty, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's why one of the reasons why I haven't quite seen it yet, but it's definitely, it came out in 82, it came out six years before this one, so I'm, I'm curious to check it out. Yeah. So for me, my two recommendations are going to be Back to the Future 2. Um, I feel like that one, even though it's way more dramatic, they do deal with a lot more uh similarly things they do here with Bill and Ted, but my other one's going to be Ferris Bueller. Um, oh, first yeah. day off great one yeah just if they feels kind of similar with his comedy to me so those are the two that i recommend now i had no idea until i popped in the blu-ray but they uh after this came out in 1990 there was an animated series interesting that got two seasons so my blu-ray came with one episode i did watch it it's actually done by hannah barbera that's even better. <laughs> yeah. So you know there's going to be some quality to it. Yeah. It did air on CBS. Um, very much kind of reminded me of, yeah, Alan, you know these 80s properties all got cartoons. Yep. Especially a lot Basically, that we talked about. everything. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Terminator cartoon <laughs> to show up back from the 80s somehow. Mm-hmm. But it kind of gave me the feelings like with the Ghostbusters cartoons, um, not quite the Rambo cartoons. Um, but you know, men in black had a cartoon. Yep. Um, gosh, there was a couple others back to the future had its own cartoon series as well. Mm-hmm. So I really liked it. And it was especially cool because, um, George Carlin, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter all reprised their roles. Oh, that, that you don't see very often though. No, you almost never see yeah. that. So definitely I do actually recommend checking out the cartoon series. Um, this one was they broke Missy's um, Chinese vase. Okay. So they traveled back in time to ancient China to get a real vase. Oh, okay. For her. And they ended up having to, um, they got in trouble. They had to build the Great Wall. They invented um, to-go boxes at the Chinese <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> and um, so I actually had a lot of fun um, watching that. And 
they got shanghaied to Italy with Marco Polo. That is funny. Um, they invented spaghetti. And so I'm just saying it was really fun um, for that as well. So definitely check that out. Yeah, absolutely. But it should be no surprise. This movie did pretty good. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody was expecting a sequel, actually. So it may have been a surprise. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, given how, you know, how much money it made, it's not too big of a surprise, I suppose, that it ended up getting a sequel a few years later. Yeah. So the question after the show, listeners, is where would you travel back to in history and why? I think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to want to go back to my dad's childhood, my parents' childhood. Yep. <laughs> and just see what that was like. Yep. Um, but outside of that... Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to give it some more thought to really think about it. Um, I don't know. I'd probably go back to the Bible times, get a witness, all that. Yeah, I would see that. That question raises more questions. Like, you know, <laughs> if that's the case, can I go back to any time? How am I limited on how on what times I can go back? Like, can I go back multiple? I could go back and forth or... Like they do? Yeah. Time hop. Yeah, I You think, can. <laughs> all right. That that brings up Elba's a whole can of worms as to where I want to go back. But that's, yeah, I would probably go back. I definitely want to see my dad's childhood because it's, from what I understand, it sounds pretty wacky. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, it does. All right. Well, Corbin, thank you for joining me. Yeah, no problem. All right, listeners. Well, we'll see you next week for Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. We are on all major podcast platforms, so we have links to all of those description descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, of course, Rain Man was huge, would go on to win Best Picture. Right. Um, it...
was that wasn't its opening weekend clearly uh d- doesn't say what opening weekend it was <laughs> anyway um 